Welcome to another true story of Tinseltown, true stories, because I've had a lot of them. And today my guest is Roy Whiting, and I have had, we have, we are finally getting together because there's always been echoes or, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. How long have we been doing this, Roy? Like three weeks or a month? I don't know. I've had the worst connection. Plus I was away. Then, you know, I had to get new equipment and then... Just the weather and everything's been so weird, so my connection's been stinky. But finally, I have Roy here, and I'm very excited. And I'm also very excited to be talking about your book, Sluggy, Bogey's Other Baby, Mayo Metho, star of Stage Green and wife of Humphrey Bogart. Yay. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And you know what, Roy, when I found that book, because I happen to be a Mayo lover, I've seen her films, and um, I thought she was great. I, You know, I'm always happy. Uh, Laura Wagner, who is a, a book critic, she wrote a book about tragic women of Hollywood, and she had, like, a, a chapter on Mayo. But you did, like, the whole nine yards, the whole book. And it's, to me, I like to see her getting, you know, a notice, because she is something. And what made you choose to write this book about Bogie's other Bayo, baby Mayo? You know, it, it, it's a really good question because um, it isn't the first thing that would come to mind, no. you know, as far as writing a book for a lot of folks. Uh, it, it started years ago uh, where some of my family members are interred in, in the uh, city of Portland, and that's where I was born. And so uh, when I would go visit, family members there, uh, I would have to walk right by uh, Mayo's tomb, basically. And um, it, it actually even started a little before that, because um, before I even knew she was there, um, I had walked up to one of the people that was working there at the Portland Memorial. And I asked, is there anybody famous here? And and Mayo was, was the first name that he gave me. Uh, he said, basically, Humphrey Bogart's wife or one of his wives is, is here. So as I, you know, went through time and would visit each Memorial Day to our fam- my family members there, uh, I had to literally walk right past her crypt. And over time, I kind of qu- kept asking the questions and, you know, why doesn't why doesn't anybody else know about this person? Because I, as I learned more, it was like, well, she was pretty big. She was. And I, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I later came to realize she kind of hit a trifecta. I mean, not only was she literally on Broadway, okay, for a lot of people, that alone is a significant accomplishment to, to make it in New York. You and know, she got great Sinatra reviews today. as well. You know, she was not exactly, just a bit, right. bit part on Broadway. She did really well. Right. Yeah, she was uh, really at the top of her game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she makes it to Hollywood in part because they needed people who could, who could speak uh, with the advent of talkies. And so she transitioned there. So she then makes it into Hollywood film, which is, again, another big thing. I mean, that's the second of, of these three things that I see that are really remarkable about her life. 
Um, and then the third thing is that she marries arguably the, the number one leading man um, of all time. If you if you go by various polls that have been made about as far as the number one rated actor in, in Humphrey Bogart. So she she went through those three accomplishments, and now it's hardly anybody really recalls who she was. And I came to realize that you know her stardom was a little part of her life. It was a middle part of her life. Um, and what's been missing is is her beginnings and the latter part of her life. And and I'm used to a tidy story. I think a lot of people are. You kind of get used to seeing somebody developing, and then yes. as they become famous, it gets bigger and bigger. And towards towards the end of their life, you know, they're still doing things. In this case, she really kind of crested. And um, the, the the real story and the backstory um, is on either side of the stardom. And and I think that's one of the things that I would was hoping to get to folks, to, to readers, was to get the whole story, set the record straight, because there is a lot of, uh, of uh, she's basically a punchline to a lot exactly. of Exactly, punchline, uh, as you say, sluggy, you know, and that, you know, the battling Bogart, so she is literally a punchline, right? And you know yeah. what? A lot of people go, when I mention her name, oh, didn't she stab him? Well, yes, yeah, she mm-hmm. did. And and they make him to be like her to be a husband abuser. We'll get into their whole her their whole marriage, but you know, come on, she was a little lady. Yes, she was a horrible drunk as time went on, um, but she was you know. And it, but they got both got kicked out of restaurants, not just because of Mayo. They both would battle. They were the battling Bogarts. So um, yes, and her beginning. Why don't you start us there? Because we're going right into the the big juicy stuff with bogey but she had quite in a beginning so why don't you tell us yeah one of the surprising things there were quite a few uh, revelations as i was writing this book over a period of years um is that she was known as the portland rosebud and, and that kind of started early uh in her life basically uh, there was an ad campaign that uh, was uh heading east to the east coast um and they were trying to get a lot of promotion for the West Coast advertising dollars. And what they did is they basically heralded as they as they worked their way across the country from West Coast to East Coast, they, they knew they needed a mascot of sorts, uh, my my term, but that's basically what they did in choosing male. Right. So they had this darling young young little girl, preteen, uh, you know, like she's uh, seven or eight years old, and taking her basically across the country and got incredibly good coverage. Uh, virtually every newspaper that was doing stories was very favorable to her and Basically, these were advertising people, so they knew how to use media. And they basically worked their way to an ad uh, uh, agency uh, meeting, and then uh, the cat was capped off at the White House. So Mayo had exposure early in her life yes. uh, on a national and a national scale. But she and, started uh, – think- uh, I'm sorry to, to cut into you, but I just want you – she just didn't come out of nowhere and been called the uh, – whatever the portland rosebud (laughs) right right she was on stage she was an actress exactly right and and one of the one of the things that was surprising to me was that she you know was identified as the portland rosebud but actually she wasn't born in portland she came here as as a young girl but actually she wasn't born here she was born in uh, chicago illinois so that was one of the first things because her even here in oregon 
I mean, she's been identified, and, and if you look at a lot of different documents, they refer to her as being born in Portland. Well, she wasn't. Um, and, and there are several ways in the book that I address how, how that's determined and how I, I show, you know, where she was born and, and the rationale behind it. But um, as far as her, her stage, uh, she basically, her stage background, she started at the Baker Theater, uh, which, is, which is in Portland, which is a pretty well-established local theater troupe. Um, and from there, she really learned acting. And, and her mom was kind of a... She, yeah, boys, and she was kind of you know she was uh, she, her mother was kind of an early stage mom. I right. say in the book, uh, she had a, you know was the only only child, and so basically there was a lot of attention given to her. Um, she had a kind of a non conventional educational uh, process because she was going to the, the Miss Catlin School, which is still an, in Oregon. The Catlin Gable is what it's called now, but a kind of an independent uh, type thought type school a little less strict in terms of the uh, the how how teaching is is uh, performed there and so it's a uh, she basically kind of had a, a very uh, I would say eclectic um, an artistic um, and a very um, uh, theatrical based uh, education early on how lucky is that if you really want to do that you know but but mom pushed her I just want to read this review that grosses me out that somebody said about Mayo. This is, what is this name? She did, I don't know. She did something. In addition to a beautiful face and slender, graceful little body, wrote the Capital Journal, Mayo has a fine memory that is regarded as astonishing. But when very young, she committed to memory and used frequently to recite the death scenes from uh, Romeo and Juliet. But he's like leering over her little body. I'm like, geez, mister, can't you just take care of her body of work? I thought it was worse, but it was, it, it just set me grossed out that, you know, he's telling how her mm-hmm. slim little body and, you know, that just wouldn't work today. You know, it just wouldn't for mm-hmm. an eight year old child, but that's just me. Um, right. But she did enjoy it, right? Uh, yeah, she enjoyed acting. I think she, uh, like a lot of actors, the, the applause was kind of addicting. Uh, in order to stay with it as, as much as she did, um, she really was remarkable. And, and you have to realize the competition uh, throughout her, her theatrical and, and film history uh, was, was intense. I mean, this is, this is somebody who is having to go up against other uh, actors in order to get these parts, whether she was, you know, young or, mm-hmm. or, or teenage or older. And it, it's a very competitive business. So I, I think what that points to, I mean, we could say, well, obviously she was pretty because, you know, she was married three times and one of the people she married was Humphrey Bogart, you know, who could have probably had, um, you know, a relationship with most women uh, during that time. Um, but, but she also had moxie. She also had a training and ability. Um, you, you don't get to, and I would say stick to itiveness. She clearly had a work ethic. And I think that's one of the other bonds between Mayo and Humphrey Bogart. I mean, you take a look at their, their bodies of work, but especially his, uh, what a career. And you don't get there unless you really put the time in and the effort, um, and, and really learn your craft. Well, he also started on the stage. Yep. Yep, and and there was kind of an eclipsing, uh, interesting dynamic. I, I think that when they first met, uh, Humphrey Bogart and Mayo, 
um, she was kind of his, not maybe just his equal, but perhaps his superior when it came to acting. She had uh, more years under her belt. Um, she had a Broadway, you know, basically was a Broadway star. He was not. Um, as they entered into the talkies, into film, uh, he eclipsed her for a variety of different reasons. But uh, early on, I think it can be said that they were attracted for a variety of reasons. And I think you can also say that each of, of Humphrey Bogart's wives uh, benefited him. Um, it's important to realize that each of uh, his four wives, Bogart's four wives, were all actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, Helen Menken, Mary Phillips, Mayo Metho, and Lauren Bacall. Yeah, and Helen Menken, the, the, she was very short time, right? She was like a year, his first wife. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It was a short relationship. Um, but the case can be made that in terms of, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's, a lot of people are e- eager to say that women, you know, they, they, they basically are social climbers by who they marry. Right. Well, you know, if, if you want to be fair about it, I mean, I'm not suggesting that with Humphrey Bogart's motive. But if you take a look, the fact that he grew and, and, and learned, I, I, I can say, for, from each of his wives, the craft of acting, and they, all of them were actresses. Um, I mean, the reverse can be seen as true as well. Um, parenthetically, it's kind of interesting that all of Mayo's husbands were all military veterans. Uh, given the time, you know, it's not maybe that surprising, but uh, she had a sea captain dad. And I think, you know, you can you, when you captain, stand back. And you, captain Jack or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah Captain Jack, right. And and so you can you can try to draw, you know, inferences and connections with how people develop because, you know, going back to starting with the book, I mean, I didn't have really any surviving folks. No, um, she didn't on have the sisters or brothers, so it's, she didn't have nieces and nephews or anything, right? Right, right. And and I uh, I reached out to a variety of folks who I was hoping to be able to get, you know, first-person uh, interviews, not just basically from source documents, or, you know, but right. also, you know, on record. And, and basically they were pretty much all gone. Um, years years earlier, uh, this was more than a decade ago, I had even uh, reached out to Lauren Bacall, trying to, you know, when she wow. was still, still alive, and hoping to see if I could get something, and of course I never heard back. But, I mean, my effort was was really a challenge because um, even though I had the home field advantage, uh, basically I was born in the, the same town where Mayo grew up mm-hmm. and where she where she died, Um so I was able to get a lot of detail that would, if you were from another state or even another city in our state, there's a lot you wouldn't know. Um, but I was able to, um, you know, use that to an advantage in terms of, you know, getting to the core of some of these questions and and drawing connections. But it would have been even even uh, more interesting, I think, if I could have uh, done this maybe 40 years ago. Oh, when I know. Are you around. kidding? I wish I was surrounded by all of these people and I could ask these questions. But, you know, it's hard. You, of course, they're all dead. And um, uh, But Mayo, she died early. We'll get to that. Okay, so Mayo, you, call, you said her husband's. How many times was Mayo married? You there? Uh, yes. How many times was Mayo married? She was married uh, three different times. Mm-hmm. Um, she married John Lamond uh, from 1921 to 1927. Um, he was a Marine. Uh, she married Percy Tredegar Morgan Jr. What a name. Um, mm-hmm. from ni- 
Yeah. Uh, from 1931 to 1938, he was in the Army Air Corps. And then uh, Humphrey Bogart uh, from 1938 to 1945, and, of course, he was in the Navy. But what were their uh, careers? Were they also uh, <clears throat> actors or something? They weren't just military dudes, right? They all also correct, had different correct. kind of careers. Right, right. John Lamond was a, a cameraman. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically uh, was was somebody who was kind of doing some promotion for the Marines. Um, and so as part of his work, there was a connection there. Uh, he was doing film work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up uh, working together together. Uh, with a, an Oregon connection there with a, a film director, basically, who was putting out a lot of kind of like travel log films. Um, the connection with Percy Morgan, it looks to come to the Ainsworth family because that was a connection through uh, her Mayo's education and one of her teachers. And that appears to have been a connecting factor uh, for her to be meeting him. So they were both uh, so basically was- hometown boys, her first two husbands. Uh, uh, there was, there were hometown connections. Yes. yes. Well, I would say definitely Oregon connections for sure. Yes. yes. Um, and then of course with Humphrey Bogart, that was initially in, in basically in theater in the New York area. And then, uh, with the transition to Hollywood, and I find it fascinating because you got to realize that these were, these were actors that were doing theater in New York and they were also doing film in Hollywood and imagine the train rides, you know, cause it, air, aircraft was, was present then, but it wasn't as common. And I can just imagine some of the, the long trips that were taken together. Some of these actors, it would have been really an interesting. Young and uh, fun. When it's young, when yeah. you're young, it's a lot of fun. And the older you get, you're like, Oh, please get me an airplane quick. I don't care if yeah. I have a 98% chance of dying. I don't want to take the strain again. So right. um, she, I wanted to say about Mayo's acting work because I, I try and I, you know, I have this podcast, but I really don't talk about Mayo on the podcast, but I have a Facebook page where I have talked about Mayo before because I really like her and I like her work and I try to get people to see her work like Virtue. She was amazing in this film. And I, I think she was the best part of it. And it, and Carol Lombard is the star. She plays a prostitute. Um, her Pat, the guy Jimmy Cagney's really good friend Pat O'Brien. He played a cab driver who doesn't. He he has no clue that she was a hooker. But he finds out after they're married. And Mayo is the hooker with a heart of gold, and she has a horrible boyfriend played by the wonderful Jack LaRue. And this is a really gripping and Mayo movie. She's so sensitive. She's so vulnerable. Yet, you know, she plays a tough cookie, but with a heart of gold. And she, she, she'll rip your heart out. You got to watch this movie, you guys. I think you can catch it on YouTube. Um, I've seen it a few times and Mayo's fabulous. So if you want to look for some of her work, that's it. And also when she met Bogey, I'd say marked women. She was so good in that. Yeah. And and I can think you can kind of see there's a thread there. She was being typecast. Um, Big time. Big time. Yeah. She could play the mall, you know, she could play the tough broad. And, uh, and, and I read in several places where, you know, they didn't know what, quite what to do with her, uh, because of her interesting looks. Well, you take a look through it, like for instance, in my book, you know, she was stunningly beautiful. She really was um, very attractive. 
Yeah, but as she as she aged, and you know, you know, smoking and, and drinking can can age a person. Um, for somebody like Humphrey Bogart, you know, it didn't seem to hurt his his box office appeal. But uh, they were, you know, again going back to the com- competitive business of, of theater and, and of uh, film. Um, as she got older, you know, it became more difficult to compete for some of these parts. So they would relegate her to some of these other tougher, uh, tougher roles. And, and I, you know, you have to wonder, you know, what, what might've been done had some scripts fallen her way that were maybe, uh, in keeping with what we might see nowadays for some older women, uh, or even, even not even that older, but I mean, you know, in she her, wasn't, in her 30, yeah, in her 40s. late thirties and early forties. And now yeah. because of the, you know, the streaming and Netflix makes movies, Amazon makes movies, uh, Hulu makes movies, all this stuff. It's changed a lot. But for Mayo, um, it didn't. But she did a lot of the pre-code films, and then she did Marked Women, and she was still married. Was Humphrey still married to Mary Phillips when he was doing um, Marked Women? Uh, yes, he was married in, in this 1938, which is when they got uh, – which when – Bo- Bogey and Mayo got married. Uh, he, he basically had just come off of a divorce. Uh, I believe it was earlier that year. Um, I documented it all in the book, but basically they were, you know, it's interesting because Mayo was seeing Humphrey while he was ostensibly still married. Uh, and yet later in their marriage, you know, and in fact, throughout a lot of their marriage, she was just insanely um, jealous of someone like Ingrid Bergman, mm-hmm. um, who was, Starring with her husband, co-starring with her husband in Casablanca. Neither of them cared about each other at all. I mean, it's not like they disliked each other, but they're like ho-hum. Right, right. The record shows there really wasn't a lot of off-screen chemistry between them. But it's it's really interesting that, you know, when she was uh, seeing Humphrey and he was married, uh, that was one thing that... When they were married, you know, she she was so jealous about him with somebody else, even if maybe he wasn't involved with them. And uh, it was just a, a lot of lot of challenges in that relationship. That's the way it goes, though, Roy. You know, that's what always makes me laugh is when you see these women who, you know, they are cheating with another person and they cheat on their husband or they're just they're with a married man. He leaves them. Generally, they don't. But they. And then when they get married, they're like, oh, my God, he's cheating on me. Well, what do you think? Yeah. You know, he's going to tell you he's yeah. faithful. He told his wife that, too. So why are you shocked? You know, you should not yeah. be shocked about this. But what I found interesting about your book is prior to their marriage and pretty much prior to them coming out as a couple, they went to Louise Brooks' house. And was was right. it Louise's? And um, she said they she could see that they were so in love. And that they were just so simpatico and happy and together. And, you know, they described Mayo, and so did he, that she was fun, full of life, smart. He admired her talent. She loved to go sailing. It was none of this, you know, when you first meet someone, oh, I love sailing. And then, you know, after you married him, you never go again. She truly loved it. Wasn't the boat named Sluggy? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Later, this later he had a boat named the Santana, but it was Sluggy before that. Yeah. Yes, I don't think I don't think uh, Lauren would have liked Sluggy. <laughs> Even had T-shirts no. made named Sluggy, and and so they were at that party, and her husband comes knocking at the door. Percy, 
comes knocking at the door for her. And right. they had to kind of like, I don't know what happened, but, but it was like well, a little it, bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, the way it's described by Louise Brooks, uh, who was one of the, the attendees to the, to the gathering is that, um, there was a lot of passion between the two, between Mayo and, and Humphrey. And she describes that, you know, he, basically she, she rescued, in her view, in Louise Brooks's view, she, uh, meaning Mayo, rescues Humphrey and his career. And what, what he, she basically says, Brooks says, uh, Humphrey found Mayo at a time of lethargy and loneliness when he might have gone on playing secondary gangster parts at Warner Brothers for a year and then out, but he met Mayo and she set fire to him. And, and I think that's basically it from somebody who was actually there, who documents their relationship, mm-hmm. um, is able to actually having known both parties, uh, you, you got to rely to a certain extent on some of these early accounts of folks who maybe didn't have such an ax to grind later in life. Right. And, uh, I, I just think it, it describes a lot there. They had a lot in common. They had a lot, uh, a lot of, you know, interest in each other. They're both attractive people. Um, and so it was a uh, love story. It wasn't, you know, because people, you know, like, okay, bogey and Bacall, but yes, they were this iconic love story, but he really loved Mayo. And she's not, I hate that she goes down as the one who, who knifed him. (laughs) Like she's come here. I got a knife. I'm going to kill you. You know, something like that. She was more, they loved each other. They had a really good relationship, but. Well, so much of biography too, is where do you focus the lens? Right. And, and, you know, where do you, where do you really concentrate and focus? I mean, if you talk to Verita Peterson, who was Humphrey's uh, later hairdresser and, 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 but yeah, which is what she's described herself as, um, you know, there's a different view of, of his alliance alliances and his allegiances and, and his, um, his views on things and uh, his very relationships. So depending on, how a person tries to focus on certain different factors, um, it can really take a, a real t- completely different view of, of how we see these people. And I've always seen biography as almost a sacred task because early on when I started with the book, it's like, okay, how am I going to tell the story? I, I knew I needed it to be honest. I need, knew I needed it to be straight. Um, I, I didn't want it to be some kind of a, you know, salacious tell all, but, I knew that there would be things in the book that were going to maybe not be super flattering, but, but I just thought, you know what, I, I, I gotta, I've got to tell the story. Because it's uh, true. I mean, it's I, not I, like I just, it was lying. You're telling the truth about these stories. Right, right. And and I had a point, too, where I thought, well, you know, who am I to tell the story? And I realized that a lot of the advantages is that I did have an interest. I, I'd been a Bogart fan for many years. Um, I, I actually was from the same town where Mayo had grown up and where she died. I, I had access as a, as a, as an author, I'd written a biography in the past. And so I had some different things that I could bring to the front that I thought would actually make it a story that's not only factual, but compelling. And, and, I, and I hope is, I did that. It's a very good book. I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, so they get married they meet on unmarked women, and, and this they're actually they're hostesses. But because this is uh, the after pre-code era, this is when uh, the pays thing came into play. But they were really, you know, prostitutes, and they work all night, whatever. And he go 
he said, hey, you're kind of old, ain't you? I need uh, someone that guys go for in a hurry to Mayo. And then Betty, you know, sticks up for Mayo and whatever. And and it's just sad. But then Bogey at that point was in love, madly in love with her. He played a good guy. He played the district attorney. And they get married. And um, she pretty much gives up her career. Yeah. Yeah, she had had some real uh, ups and downs with her other uh, husbands. Uh, if you go to John Lamont, they were basically working in different towns. Uh, he, you know, John was a cameraman, mm-hmm. and um, she was on the stage. And they there was a lot uh, they didn't see each other. A lot of a lot of weeks they didn't they weren't together. And I think she realized, in fact, in later interviews, uh, she talked about how it was maybe better to not have that kind of life where you're married and you're not able to see your to your spouse. Um, similar thing with Percy Morgan. I mean, she was she was on the road. He didn't want her on the road, and uh, basically, that's some of the things that were that were talked about in in the divorce. Is that he, you know Percy Morgan didn't want now you know acting. He wanted her home, and uh, then with, when she marries Humphrey, she has in 1938. She, you know, starts to have to realize, okay. Do I want this marriage to look like the other two that didn't work out? And I think by then, she's 34 years old in 1938. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying, you know, he, his his career is really taking off. And she and, and Humphrey come to an understanding, which isn't one that she fully embraces. Um, she, if you, if you read through the book, you see there's some degree of jealousy. Um, they're, you know, <laughs> fueled by alcohol sometimes, no doubt. But she is uh, giving up her career, and in her mind, it's a real sacrifice. Um, and and who's to say? She may have not really proceeded much more uh, later during their marriage if she had continued to try to act or not. But uh, for whatever reason, um, they, they, that was a point of contention, definitely on Mayo's end. Yeah. You know, I've saw it, I saw a lot of the pictures they would do about, you know, when they go to the home and there are these cute pictures and there are some absolutely adorable pictures of the two of them together. But um, when does she start really hitting the bottle? Cause he was no slouch. Let's put it that way. But when did she start right. hitting the bottle big time? Right. It, it's most documented uh, with Humphrey. And, and at that point, that's part of their, part of their uh, attraction. And, and it's quoted by different people saying basically, you know, he, Humphrey liked to laugh. And, and Mayo made her laugh, and, and they had a good time. And uh, having a good time was a big part of it for both of them, I think. They right. enjoyed the company of each other. They had a lot in common in acting. And they went um, on the boat together. They both lived sailing. Yeah, yeah. They had that commonality as well. So, you know, alcohol was, was part of their relationship. Um, but it, I, I think, it, like you had mentioned, she was not really, really – Tall woman. She's about she five two, small. I think, right? About right. Five two. Right. Teeny. If you see photos, there are photos of them together, and uh, you know he wasn't that tall himself. He was around five eight. Right. But you know she was fairly diminutive, and uh, you can imagine that even if she was used to drinking, I mean she would have a hard time competing with with somebody who's maybe you know uh, somebody like Humphrey Bogart. I think a lot of people would. So um, there, who, who knows whether it was a you know trying to match each other type thing, but it was part of their relationship. And I think as time goes on, it's inarguable 
that it it was a, a significant factor in a lot of their arguments. But you also have to stand back and look at Humphrey Bogart. He was famously known for desiring needling people. Yes, his he, son he got a said kick that. His his son said that as well in his book. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like he wanted to actually fight, but he liked to get under people's skin by all accounts. Um, and so there's that part of it too. And you have to think that, well, when they were alone, I mean, did that go away? That part of Humphrey's uh, personality, it, it's likely maybe it didn't. And uh, if you're goading someone into a fight, I mean, and if they're drinking, you know, it's not to put all the blame on one party or the other. I mean, they were a couple and they were, you know, two grown people, but um, I think there was a, a bit of the dynamic of uh, their personalities, uh, what also attracted them in some ways uh, repelled them, uh, especially, you know, under the influence. Yeah. And they, you know, it just, everything becomes magnified times 2000 when you are yeah. totally bombed. And like I said, they got kicked out of places cause they would have their fights and, you know, <clears throat> sluggy and making kind of light of it, the battling Bogarts. But like you said, you know, you don't want to put a blame on one of the people because, a lot of times I see it and they put the blame on Mayo. And I just think that they were two people and they loved each other. They drank too much. Mayo could not handle her drinking. She drank, drank, drank. And it just became too much. And what is she doing? I mean, she's home. She's not working. Right. So what is she doing during the day? Right. You've got two very, very talented thespians at the top of their game. Right. And they're they're using that in their relationship to, to elicit emotion. In fact, Bogart was even quoted once as saying, essentially, you know, my wife is without work right now and I've got to give her her cues. And, and basically they're feeding off each other in a very dramatic way. And that's how they're trained. I mean, they're trained actors. So they're basically living it out. Even though Mayo's not on the stage, she's still using her drama. And, um, you know, if you also look at it from the, from the lens of the culture. I mean, you know, the drinking and the smoking. I mean, smoking is not anywhere uh, near what it, what it was oh, during God. that time. And it contributed, contributed to his death. But um, the, 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 the drinking as well, I mean, was, was part of, I think, a, a, arguably a, a very large part of the culture, especially the culture they were in, in, in the upper echelon of Hollywood. Yes. And so, you know, a lot of these factors kind of feed into it. And, you know, and, and Bogart being a macho guy, I mean, not only was he a Navy veteran, but he was in these, these tough guy in a lot of these movies. Yeah. I mean, he had a real broad range of acting ability. But, I mean, you know, he, sometimes he probably thought he was Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> I mean, because he was. Well, yeah. And I read that even this is, was later on. I read, I think, Edward G. Robinson or James Cagney said, and they liked him a lot, but they said he would get bombed. And, you know, people, people also will say, to impress her girlfriend. Ah, oh, look at him. He's not so tough. He's not so tough, you know? And that's terrible. I could not stand that. Can you imagine? You're just a guy. You are a star. You're a movie star. And you're out trying to eat or have a drink. And then this guy wants to prove to his girlfriend that he's a tough guy. And he can beat up right. you know, one of the actors. So that would happen a lot. And they said that the waiters would break it up because he'd start to go into it. But they would always break it up. So, um, you know, he he drank. He drank. And he, you know, that was a big part with him and Lauren as well, but not as much. I'm, that's a whole different story. But, um, you know, they were both humongous drinkers. She was a teeny lady and she became, because she's so small, bloated. You could see it in her face and you could see it, you know, in her tummy. You could tell she drank. You could certainly tell she drank. Yeah. 
And um, and I think, how long do you think they were really okay in the marriage? Because it was a while. They were together for, what, seven years? Yeah, seven years. But, I mean, even during the filming of Casablanca, which was like 1941, 1942, if memory serves, um, you know, they were there were cracks in the, the trust elements. Uh, so I would say it was fairly early on. I mean, there were elements of, of distrust and, and um, probably fear um, of different different sorts. Uh, and whether that was mainly male or, or, or Humphrey, I have a feeling he was probably so busy and um, had a pretty strong self-image given his demand in, in the box office and where his career was going. I think a lot of the of the feelings of flailing were on the Mayo's, Mayo's end. Her career was essentially, uh, she basically resigned from it. And so, like we say, she was at home um, and found consolation in some of these things we've been talking about. Which is really sad. And, um, but they... They stuck it out, and they did have horrible fights. But um, Louise, I believe, Louise Brooks also was quoted, as was Gloria Stewart, saying that they saw Mayo, you know, that she had been hit. You know, she had bruises on the side of her face and her eyes. It wasn't a one-way street, you know, that she wasn't just this, you know— bruiser she's she wasn't just this knifing murderous little bruiser you know is they both fought and he slugged her well and we can go back to their marriage day their wedding day i mean in 1938 i mean it was reported widely reported that they had a really bad argument and uh humphrey spent the night out with a friend um mail was at, at the house of the baker's Mary and Mel Baker, who were close friends with both the male and, and Humphrey. And so it began even on their, their wedding night. I mean, they had difficulty and disagreements. So Brought on by alcohol, brought, yes. Exacerbated, no doubt. Yes. But th- this passion that brought them together was also, you know, it was a two-headed sword or two, two-headed animal, I should say. Um, it basically, uh, they had a lot of passion and when you have it that close to the surface, um, it's sometimes hard to contain. Yeah. You know, thin line between love and hate is a true thing because you, there is such deep, strong passion and, and hate. Those are the extremes. And I don't and, think, and like, um, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, and, and again, like, because they're actors, I mean, this is what they're trained to show. They're not trained to stuff feelings. They're trained to actually exacerbate for the cause of a of a performance. And so, you know, we like to think that people are in control of their emotions, but when they get drinking, you know, you'd have to ask a, an accomplished actor, you know, you know, the details in some of this. But I mean, they're used to basically uh, showing showing their emotion or, or rehearsing an emotion. Uh, you know, how one would feel in a given situation when they're acting. Mm-hmm. So. You know that only adds to the dynamic in terms of the of the whole publicity, and and that may have been another part. You know, I haven't heard people talk about it this way, but you know, one could make the case that being on the front page of newspapers, even if you're seen as arguing with your spouse, may help propel your career, depending on what career path you want to be on. And so, you know, some of these things may not have necessarily harmed them, and I'm not suggesting they were all planned. But, you know, when you've got a, a role to play or you've got a, a bitch, um, you know, I could see maybe some 
slants used uh, in, a, in an article, in a newspaper article, um, to maybe uh, enhance a person's uh, character or, or their, their image to the viewing public. Um, and, and who knows if that was maybe part of it, too. Yeah, you never know with that. But um, it was true. I mean, geez, is that me? I think that was mine. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, uh, it was, it could be. But I think a lot of it, certainly, you know, it, it unfortunately, there is a double standard. And it is, you know, it's not really cool for a guy to be drunk. But for a woman to be sort of sloppy, it's unseemly, you know, so, and especially mm-hmm. in that era, you know, it, it's just mm-hmm. like, like, it's so it wouldn't be good publicity for Mayo because here she is, she's going out drinking and she's, you know, slugging people or she's yelling and screaming or dro- throwing a dish or something. And, you know, for every, I don't like to see people get bombed on either end in that kind of manner, male or female. But in that generation, you know, it was much more acceptable for the guys to be Mr. Ring-a-ding-dings mm-hmm. than for someone like Mayo who was, you know, not. So um, perhaps it might have helped him in some ways, but it sure didn't help Mayo, I don't believe at all. Yes, I agree. And, and her career wasn't the one that these PR writers would have been really Focused on. Right. And I'm not. I'm not suggesting this was an actual plan. No, uh, I, I know what you were by saying. By all of them, but yeah. I could. I could see where you know to to pr- basically to promote him as a his his uh, dangerous uh, quality. Or if, if if you're in a movie and you're a toughie and you're playing the heavy, I mean, I could see some some person maybe looking and seeing. Oh, you know, hey, I guess he is pretty uh, pretty wild guy, and maybe his movie will be interesting. That kind of thing. Yeah. And so he meets, and she's very jealous, he meets Lauren Bacall on the set of... Uh, to have and have not. What year was that, 44? Uh, yes. And pretty much that's the end of Mayo and and Bogart. But he, he went back and forth. He didn't... Um, he didn't commit to her, and I think he even broke up with her for six months or something, saying, I'm going to give Mayo another try. Um, yes. And, um, but it didn't work out, and he ended up marrying the 20-year-old, and who was 25, and Louise Brooks, her quote about Lauren Bacall being a businesswoman when <laughs> she was 19 or 20, that she was not mm-hmm. really an actress, but, she, you know, because she said she had... You know, she made a smart move when she went with Bogart. But um, Mayo was devastated. How does it feel, you know, when you're, what was she, like 43 or 44? And here's this tall, thin, 19, 20-year-old girl um, after your husband, and your husband wants her too. So it's just, I can't even imagine how horrifying that would have been. But, uh, you know, rub your nose in it here, Mayo. But... um, that must have been a horrible period for her, and I'm sure it wasn't fun for him. And, you know, as far as Lauren concern, is concerned, I'm not too worried about her as far as her cheating. You know what I mean? I liked her later, mm-hmm. but, you know, she was – she was. I don't care. My wife doesn't understand me, whatever. She was a young girl. I cut her that part and that she was, you know, head over heels. So, you know, who could blame her in in many ways? Right. Yes, yeah, so I'm yeah, not – Lauren, Lauren McCall basically did what Mayo did. 
Right. I mean, she was seeing Humphrey while Humphrey was still married, and they both they both did that. So it's you got to be even handed you know, to a large extent. Yeah, and so he finally Mayo put up a fight, though, didn't she? She didn't really go easy with the divorce. Right. There was a, there was a lot of mixed emotion between Mayo and Humphrey. Uh, they would try to make make it up, you know, get back together. And I read through some of the uh, letters uh, that Humphrey wrote to his attorneys, some of the source documents. And I, you can you not even have to read between the lines. I mean, he he's he's conflicted to a certain extent. There's a lot of uh, passion, a lot of. You know, a lot of memories uh, right. that you can tell, uh, and, and, and his instructions to his attorneys and stuff. He, but he ultimately wants to get it. Finally, wants to get it done. I mean, um, it's costing him a lot of money. Um, and when it comes to the point after they try to get together a couple different times and, and, and get back together and, and make it work, um, he, he comes to the realization that you know he's that's not the direction that he wants to go. And so it ends up that Mayo ends up going to Nevada first try uh she has to stay there for a period of months in order for the quickie divorce to, six to take weeks place or six months uh, or three months yeah i don't know it's one of those yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and she doesn't make it she doesn't last so she she goes back to california and uh which starts the timeline all over again and so ultimately she does stay the, the allotted amount of time and the divorce is granted, but um, it's not without some additional twists and turns as I outline in the book. Right. So there's there's a lot of drama, whether you're talking about when they get together or when they break up uh, and all the way in between. Uh, this is a great book, you guys. I mean, we're, we're touching on things, but there's so much in the book. You did such a great job, so well-researched. Thank you. And I really enjoyed it. So Mayo, they got the divorce. Um, she leaves Hollywood and goes back to Portland, correct? Oregon. She right. She goes back to Oregon, right. where her mom is. Mm-hmm. Right. And her mom is has been a rock. I mean, her dad by then is gone. Uh, Mayo doesn't have any children, doesn't have any close relatives. Uh, Humphrey's gone. Um, and what's interesting is, and I documented in the book, there's rumors of her seeing someone else. And uh, there's also talk on the different throughout the nation and different newspapers about her being looked at for this or that part uh, for roles in either film or in, on the stage, which is really kind of interesting because she keeps this a uh, real, uh, real uh, dramaticist. Uh, she she keeps the drama going, whether knowingly or not. Um, you don't really know how it's going to go. And, and one of the things in writing the book too, I, I realized she had always landed on her feet. I mean. Whatever was thrown at her, a broken marriage or a difficulty with her career, she always was able to move up the ladder one more step. And it was at this point in writing the book, it was like, okay, what is she going to do now? She's like Houdini. I mean, she could almost always be counted on to, to take a bad situation and make something better out of it. And and this is where I was kind of stuck for a while because I'm, I'm legitimately going through her life trying to document, you know, practically week by week, you know, what she's, what she's going through. And, um, this is where it gets kind of interesting because when I start seeing about some of these relationships, she spotted with, with a, uh, with a, a gentleman or two or three, uh, over periods of time. Um, you know, it, it's a kind of a head scratcher, but ultimately, yes, yeah, she is in Oregon. She's basically back with her mom. 
she ends up taking some trips and staying in what are then called motor lodges, mm-hmm. basically motels, and um, along the coast, the Oregon coast, as well as around the Portland area. And by then, her mother has a, a close friend, uh, an older lady, that is, has been staying with her, her health, uh, Mayo's mom's health type hadn't been great. And so uh, I think that may have fed into part of it in terms of why she wasn't uh, really residing there at her mom's house full time. And uh, but yeah, she's she's kind of fading uh, for a variety of reasons, and of course she has some health issues, which I also outline as well. Right, and soon after she had an operation, but Mayo never really stopped the drinking. Right, she kind of right. Yeah, it, it you know there were attempts, uh, but but yeah, alcohol was was part of her undoing. I think it's fair to say, and. Um, it was the kind of thing where she, you know, where did she retreat? She didn't stay in California. Um, she had talked about maybe returning to New York, um, but she ends up retreating back to Oregon. And I think that's kind of a metaphor because that was her kind of her where she began. And, and it's where she basically retreats towards the, the latter part of her life. Well, what I find interesting, and you guys will like in the book because you really research and we won't go into it, but we'll just, you know, kind of because we are kind of running out of time, but we're going to get to, I just recommend Roy's book. And and it's telling about Bogie, Bogart as well. So um, it's just a really good book. And I think uh, I'm so glad you did it, frankly, because I love her. And it was well done. I mean, you had to tell truths, and you did. But you it was certainly not sorted or anything, you know, that wasn't the truth. It wasn't documented in papers or in people talking about it or whatever. But um, you discuss her death, but we'll just go with the one that they said that Mayo ended up dying alone in one of those hotels. And they also said she was broke. Mm-hmm. And what was her cause of right. death? Uh, well, it was uh, from shock, basically. Uh, post-surgical shock was the was the, the cause given in her uh, autopsy report, um, in the death certificate, I should say. And so um, she had had a surgery, and uh, all points, uh, you know, all all evidence points to that as being post-operative shock as being the, her her main primary cause of death. Yeah. And in the book, uh, he details why that story about the hotel may or may not be true. It's very, very interesting about her demise. One of one very interesting thing is um, Bogart and Lauren Bacall are in Africa. She's accompanied him to do the African Queen. And she reads a paper and she sees that Mayo's dead and she tells Humphrey Bogart. And he's he says... You know, he's sad. And he said, what a waste, I believe. Didn't he say that? And she got jealous. Yes. She was like, did he still care for her? Did he still whatever for her? But, you know, you can't help. He, he had to go. Because how old was Mayo when she died? Yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. Lauren Bacall had thought that perhaps he still really was in love with her. And basically, though, is he saw her as such a talented person and that it was a waste. And uh, Lauren Bacall goes on to say that she later realized that nothing could have been further from the truth. Um, he he didn't still carry a torch for her, but you know he, he was basically saddened by the loss of her talent and, and uh, the life of somebody who died so young and who he was very close to at one time. And 
who he admired and respected. But this cool story I love is that. Tell the cool story about the flowers. Well, yes. Uh, I, I talked to several people at the Portland Memorial, now Wilhelm's Portland Memorial in Portland, Oregon. And um, I was told by one of the attendants there that um, – Mrs. Lore basically passed among the people that worked there, said that the, the flowers, roses would show up regularly at Mayo's crypts until Bogart died. And when Bogart died, the flowers stopped arriving there at the Portland Memorial. So, you know, he, he obviously had a connection, a, a real continued caring for her. Um, and I think it's, it's very telling. Yeah, very telling. And, I, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, wow. I, it was just like almost unbelievable. But it was also, like you said, it's very telling that they did. It was not just this flash in the pan, drunk chick with Humphrey Bogart. They had a marriage, good, bad, ugly. And he fell in love with Lauren Bacall. And that was that, the end of the story. And she just went on her way and and she just didn't make it poor mayo and i like i love the fact that he still sent flowers to her anonymously and obviously it had to have been him if they stopped when he died so i'm sure lauren never knew about that i don't think she would have been too happy about that yeah that that i couldn't document yeah i i couldn't i don't think so i think she would have been very upset but i think that was a very you know, I think it was a sweet thing and shows that he did actually have very deep feelings for Mayo. And that's why she was Bogie's other baby, correct? That's right. Okay, I want you to, I love the book. I'm going to uh, tell everybody the name again, please. Um, yes, the book is Sluggy, Bogie's Other Baby, and the subtitle is Mayo Matho, Star of Stage, Screen, and Wife of Humphrey Bogart by Roy Whiting. And it's wonderful. I loved reading it. It was, and like I said, I love her. She is an interesting person. For those of you who are not familiar with her, um, it's a really good book. It's a good read and you get to know her. And I liked her so much, you know, and, and I also felt sorry for her problems and her alcoholism and, and all that, you know, it, it's, but it's a wonderful book where you did such a great job and, um, uh, I enjoyed every moment of reading it. It was very, very good. Um, uh, also, I'm going to have a, a song that you wrote. Tell us the name of the song. It's beautiful, by the way. I've heard it. Thank you. Uh, yes, it's called Girl from the Past, along with uh, writing books. I also write music. And this one was uh, written about a, an Oregon woman um, who passed away young. Um, and uh, I just thought it was appropriate uh to perhaps include it uh, with your podcast because it's uh, kind of haunting and in a way a very, very, uh, I think, beautiful uh, tribute to someone who's who's uh, died early. Yes, and it is. It's very beautiful, and we're going to play it out. And I want you, I will link you up with Roy. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. And you can get his book on Amazon or anywhere. And Yeah, um, yeah, you can uh, check, out, check out my website, uh, roywhiting.com. Uh, R-O-Y-W-I-D-I-N-G dot com. Um, the specific book on Mayo, uh, if you go to mayometho.com, M-A-Y-O-M-E 
T-H-O-T.com. Uh, that's specifically dedicated to, to the book uh, here that we've been talking about. But uh, if they want information on my music and uh, other books that I've written, uh, they can go to RoyWhiting.com. I will definitely link you up when I post. It'll all be linked. So no, um, and the book, um, the book is great. The I love the song. It's very beautiful. And I know you guys will too. And I want to thank you so much, Roy, for coming on and for being so patient and so wonderful. But hey, we got it done. Yay. We did. Thank you, Grace. It's been wonderful being with you. I I really enjoy your your great questions. And it's been uh, an honor. Well, it's an honor to have you on, and I, I really love that you wrote about Mayo because she's she's my girl. I like I I like her a lot. So thank you so much, Roy. You were great, and it was so much fun having you. And thank you again. Thank you. And listen to his song, and I will link you guys up to his website and all that stuff, and you can listen to his other music, which is very good as well. So thank you, Roy, and bye, everybody. Thank you. Till next time. They're on the page. Your story's told Trace of a life It's a silhouette Of one so young With such hope Eternally I saw your face Girl from the past